Don't call it a comb back, I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, whatever, my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Hey, slowly take steps back and is ready to take the penalty for England. Oh, Schmeichel saved it, but Kane is there on the rebound, and Kane buries it into the back of the net. What incredible drama in the semi-final. This is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Harry Kane with it on the halfway line. Harry Kane is pulled over. Kane goes down, but England are up and into the final. They've beaten Denmark after extra time by two goals to one. And all of the famous years have hurt. It's this England team under Gareth Southgate that has finally made it to a first final since 1966. On ESPN Las Vegas. The homeland hates that. I'll tell you that. Not good. It's Ed Tyler and Jaren. Are we sure? Well, the we homeland. Sure yeah, Eamon? the homeland. Um, <laughs> you know, the sad thing about the homeland is they're never involved in any of these matches. Uh, it's not rugby. <laughs> it's not It's not Gaelic football, so it's a little different. So I always get kind of bummed looking for them, and I just can't find them in the maze. I'm like, where's Ireland? No. <laughs> Is it amazing they're that bad? Yeah, because like Scotland I mean, made it to the Euros this yeah, year. Yeah, like we don't like them either. Yeah, but like you know, they're Ireland and Scotland, both kind of I mean, small. But if Scotland I, can make it, Ireland like, should be. I've been to Ireland enough where kids are kicking the ball in the street. I'm like, where are you? Hey, Eamon Junior, let's go get good at this. It's embarrassing. Scotland even has like two semi-respectable professional teams. Celtic Ireland. and Rangers are both, I mean, they're not like great, but they're, you know, respectable. I couldn't name a team from Ireland. No, it's, it's Gaelic football and no one really plays that except them, but anyway, anyway it's depressing. <laughs> yes, ready? Yeah, here we go. The first bite. <laughs> Don't act like that wasn't your fault, Jared. <laughs> Football's coming home. Is Nikita Kucherov the greatest Stanley Cup champion oh. of all time? I d- uh, yes, he's the greatest. Here's Nikita Kucherov post-game press conference after the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. And if you have a question, we'll start with Joe Smith, the athletic. Joe, let's hear it. <laughs> Just, let's uh, how would you describe your congratulations? Uh, how would you describe your emotions right now after doing what you guys did? I, I, I don't know what to say. Back to back and. Yeah, I I couldn't sleep for three nights, you know, and to be able to win this game is huge. Wasi was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Wasi, you're MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vezina. And then last year they, they gave Vezina to somebody else, number one bull****, number one bull****. Wasi took both cups. You know, he took MVP and I was keep telling him he's MVP. He's the guy that... He's the best. You know, he was on his head today, and, you know, he kept us in the game. And another shout-out by him, remarkable. Can't even tell more. I'm so happy we 
I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted, the fans in Montreal, come on. They acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? John Romano, they're, Tampa Bay Times. Their final was last, last series. Okay. <sighs> So before we get to the greatest of all that, that guy out in Vegas, because he probably hasn't, I don't think he has any idea who anyone is other than Russian players. I'm a little disappointed in him. As a little disappointed in Yeah, is it weird that he knows Shippy more than Flurry? But as a, I'm a little disappointed in, in the only thing I'm disappointed in that is that a Russian got that drunk that fast <laughs> on beer. <laughs> like, shouldn't have taken that guy like six hours being Russian to get that hammered. It was hilarious. He's suggesting he wasn't drinking during the game. Maybe <laughs> he was. True. Well, he obviously thought the series was over <laughs> before the game started. <laughs> so my biggest complaint in that is the PR guy who goes to the next question. John Romano, yeah. Instead of just letting Kucherov yeah. go. Yeah, because I don't think anybody had to ask him another question. No, he would have talked for another ten minutes. We got our story. Thank with, you. Yeah, with yeah. another ten minutes without another question being asked. Because I don't. What What was the? What are your emotions? That was the question. Yeah, and he goes off about well, I couldn't <laughs> sleep. Andre Vasilevsky got robbed of the best of the last two by years. By some guy out in it's Las a, Vegas. It's a bunch of bull bleep that he hasn't won the last two years. And Montreal fans suck yeah. because they were excited to win one game in the final. Like, he was asked what his emotions were, and he just ripped, like, four different teams. Do you believe he has no idea who Marc-Andre Fleury is? Um, I believe he knows who Fleury is, but I do believe his name didn't come top of mind very quickly for him. I believe there's a, there's a level of, uh, Who? Oh, yeah, I've heard of that guy before. Well, if he doesn't know him, he certainly didn't know uh, Connor Hellebrick because he was oh, the year before the, that other guy. I mean, that, he might have been, like, if he sobered up, he might have been able to say Fleury's name. Hellebrick, no chance no, you would remember that guy. Hellebrick no is. way. Oh, it's amazing. Oh. And oh, taking the shot at Montreal fans is, yeah. is <laughs> phenomenal. It was oh, two different shots. It's phenomenal that, oh. that they acted like they won the cup after winning one game in the cup final and that their final series was last round. <laughs> the la- the final series last round was great. But when the fans in Montreal, I mean, I don't know, a lot of these guys say, I don't read anything, I don't read anything. Yeah, you're reading everything. But did he just base that on when they were going off ice, they were cheering? I think he so. must have. Well, either I mean, that or they got was, on a plane and went back to Tampa. What is he, he talking was about? watching videos of them celebrating outside the arena. One of the two. Yeah. I don't, I don't see Kucherov watching videos of those. Yeah, of maybe. He did. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> That's how he gets psyched. Like, psyched up for a game. He watches videos of fans. Is that why he can't sleep? He's watching videos all night? I'm going to crush their dreams. I'm going to stop dreaming myself and just end theirs. He often. I've been telling Vassy for days. This guy obviously didn't think Montreal. I mean, it's like, (laughs) like this thing in his mind was over before it even began. I've been telling him for weeks he's the MVP. Jared, please play it again. Oh, please. It's so good. Like, it's it's amazing. I wish I, I wish it was shorter so we could play it every show for the rest of time. But this is it, we might do it anyways. This yes. is good. And if you have a question, we'll start with Joe Smith, the athletic. Joe, let's hear it. <laughs> Just, let's uh, <laughs> how would you describe your congratulations? Uh, how would you describe your emotions right now after doing what you guys did? I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, back to back and yeah. I, I couldn't sleep for three nights, you know, and to be able to win this game is huge. Wasi was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Wasi, you're MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vezina, 
And then last year they, they gave Vezina to somebody else, number one bull. Number one bull. Vice took both cups. You know, he took MVP, and I was keep telling him he's MVP. He's the guy that <laughs> he's the best. You know, he was on his head today, and you know he kept us in the game. And another shout out for, by him, remarkable. Can't even tell more. I'm so happy we. <laughs> I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted. The fans in Montreal, come on, they acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? John Romano, Tampa Bay Times. <laughs> no, final shut up, John! Series. Okay. The, oh, the, okay. The Stanley Cup was the last series. is absolutely classic. The, that's a, an excellent line, but we, we, have, we didn't even get into the fact that he kept going. <laughs> the best is when he's like pounding that beer in the first question. He pounds it down on the thing. He goes, John, what do you got? <laughs> Let's go, Joe. Let's go, Joe. Well, <laughs> and <laughs> Golden Knights fans, I'm sure... Uh, took that last comment as a shot. I don't think you should out there because when he said the Stanley Cup was their last series, he has no clue who they played the last. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't There's know. no he has no <laughs> idea who they played the last. He just knew that he just understood there was a last series because you have to win to advance. He's probably like I have no idea who they won, but it must have been their Stanley Cup. Assuming Mark Andre Fleury is on the team next year. <laughs> At at the whenever whenever the Golden Knights do like a hey he won the Vesna type like here's a fun video because right, our goalie correct, won the Vesna cool D- do they like present Flurry with a jersey that says on the back whatever the guy in Vegas <laughs> yes. I hope they do <laughs> because again you can't have too many jerseys to sell uh, <laughs> how much will that cost uh, this I mean again I think you're right I think like if he had to think about it and he sobered up. He'd somehow get to the name Flurry. Like, I think that. No chance on Helberg, but he might get to the chance of Flurry if he actually thought about it. Flurry's been in the league long, long enough. Long enough to where he might been, come up with that name. Right, and been good enough for long enough that you should know the name. You should, like, yeah. at least, if, maybe it would be the other way around, where it's like, if you showed him the name Marc-Andre Flurry, he'd be like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's the goalie Vegas. for Vegas. If you showed him Connor Hellebuck, no he'd chance. be like. No chance. Uh, uh, he would know who that McDonald's, is. He wouldn't, you know. It's great. What Golden Knight would do that? Oh, you say who you... I asked you before the show. Who's your... Jonathan Marshall? He's, he's the only one. I think he's the only one. I don't even know if he would, but... Not good or bad and different. Whatever. I just think he's the only one who would take that step after winning the Stanley Cup and the emotions that come with that, who would take that step. Would, it, would he be shirtless? I don't have any idea. This guy's shirtless, <laughs> pounding beers, like slamming on the table. I mean, this guy... It was the all-time press conference, but like, he'd rem- be the only one. Do you remember back when they got eliminated by San Jose in the first round? And Jonathan Marshall, so got called for a penalty and he was in the penalty box yelling at the referees calling it it was a soft penalty and all that and then in one of the games afterwards on Instagram he started yelling at fans in the comments on Instagram telling That's them when to he stop. went back and forth because they were ripping him or right. something telling him to stop wasting his time and to go suck on right. their mommy's blank and yes. yeah it was it was wonderful so Jonathan <laughs> And he Marshall, was even sober then so right. who knows what he'd be if he was hammered Right and that was in the middle of the first <laughs> round so if the Golden Knights actually were to win the Stanley Cup and, okay, you've accomplished what you're trying to accomplish, George McPhee can't yell at you because the playoffs are over. You actually right. did it. I think Jonathan Marceau might actually start ripping people in the postgame press conference. Marceau, that, they gave it to that guy out in Tampa, <laughs> the best goalie in the world. Like, if Marceau sh- thought the refs were making, like, poor calls against them in the Stanley Cup final and they won, oh, he torched the refs. He would torture him yeah. in the in the in the post game press conference, and it'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. Oh, I mean, if it's half as good as Kucherov, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Again, like I said, I mean, he okay. They're skating around with the with the cup, 
I don't know how long media the availability. I mean, it's probably like yeah, you know, they probably give them like fifteen to twenty minutes. They have to skate around the cup and all that. So it's probably maybe even thirty minutes. A little disappointed in the kid. He's straight beers, and he's like like that. I was a little kind of disappointed. I mean. You know, 10 Again, shots of vodka, maybe. He, had, but he mean, didn't think Montreal had any chance. He might have been drunk for the last 10 days. <laughs> he hasn't slept. He hasn't yeah. slept. As soon as, Delirious. Soon as, as soon as John Cooper told him they were playing Montreal, <laughs> he started drinking. He said, we got it. No chance he knew when he went on that team. If he doesn't know Flurry, can you imagine him saying, I know who Nick Suzuki and is Nicole Coffield? Oh, my God. He'd have no idea who any of those people were. He's, those are the only people he knows. He just he know, somehow knows Nick Suzuki, but yeah. he keeps calling Flurry yeah. that guy in Vegas. Percentage of people he knew in the handshake line. No chance. He's like, be, just, he's just like shaking hands yeah. and like, uh. Does, does Montreal have any Russians? I can't think of any off the top of my head that were no, but, significant. <laughs> I mean, watching that series, I knew they had a lot, but like listening to um, Albert call play by play, like there wasn't like two passes before you got another Russian name from Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, like well, there was, I know, but they have a lot. It's like there wasn't two passes before another Russian had the puck, and maybe that's what you do to win cups, get a lot of, get a lot of Russian players. But yeah, going through that, I would have loved to seen him do the hand like the handshake line saying, good, good series. Like not with a name, <laughs> just saying good series to everybody because he has no idea who the hell anyone is. Oh, it's beautiful. We do need to give a shout out. To the Tampa Bay mayor. Because she was right. Uh, She was right. She asked Mm. him to lose game four so they could win the Stanley Cup in game five. Did we get that press conference if they won in Montreal? No, you saw where she backed up before the game. Oh, she did. Well, no. Oh, okay. She backed up and said, I "I guess this is a lesson for mayors. Don't make jokes about things, especially sports. (sighs) Nope. Okay. Yeah, she backed it. She backed off it. She She should have stuck to it. She She should have stuck to it. She should have talked to Kucherov. And Kucherov would have said, it's fine. It's Montreal. We're going to win. It's game five. (laughs) Vassy's the MVP. He's going to shut him out. And then he walked away and Kucherov would have said to the PR guy, who's that? <laughs> who's he, that woman talking yeah, to me? Yeah, he meets the, he doesn't, he's just like, yeah, this woman came up and I, mean, I, I shook her hand. I at this point, it's 50-50 knows who John Cooper is. <laughs> I, never mind the mayor of the city. There's no way he knows who she is. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to jump into the NBA because Adam Silver kind of just shut down the chance of NBA expansion happening anytime soon. You try to bait me. I'm just, no. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's a huge part of the game. They have 25 points from the free throw line. You know, we're a team that prides ourselves in defending and, and um, being able to, to be good defensively without fouling. Um, I can't remember the last time a team got 25 free throws in a game against the Bucks, And then conversely, you know, the way Giannis attacks, the way Chris attacks, uh, as many opportunities as Chris has with the ball. Yeah, no, it's, it's frustrating, but it's, it's, it's part of the sport. It's part of the game. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. The Bucks better get some free throws tonight, Jared. That's your key to victory. But I just enjoyed that even the coach went, oh, you're trying to bait me. Adam Silver, uh, he gave his pre-NBA Finals press conference before game one, and he was asked about NBA expansion because that has been one of the rumors of the last eh, seven or eight months uh, since the NBA sort of came back through the pandemic. And Adam Silver doesn't really sound like the NBA is going to expand Uh, He did say, we'll continue to look at it. I've said this many times before. We're certainly not suggesting we're locked at 30 teams. I think at some point it will make sense to expand, but it's just not at the top of the agenda right now. So 
How long until the NBA actually expands and Vegas has a chance at a team? Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, I thought also interesting in here was that, and it is, I mean, expansion's a multi-year process, so they wouldn't, I don't think they'd, I think it'd be difficult to say today we're expanding, we'll be in Vegas next year. So maybe they believe at this point that they can make up some of this 40% they they lost different ways in the pandemic. And then I think eventually they have to expand. I think that eventually they have to. I just, I'm a little surprised it's not at the top of the agenda though, but we, I think we just translated pandemic loss of money, easy way to make it up. Right. That's because what I did. Th- that's, that's been the logic is yeah. the NBA. We don't actually know the number, but they probably they lost, lost money. billions of dollars in revenue that they normally would have made during a non pandemic sure. two seasons. We're talking about the span yeah. of two seasons. They normally would have made, they did not make. And so when you're looking, I know the athletic estimated the NHL was around like $4 billion that the that the NHL didn't make this year. Uh, so the NBA, NBA is lost probably more than that. six, seven, yeah. eight billion or yeah. something like that. And the logic was okay, if you have two expansion teams come in, you get expansion fees. Adam Silver even at one point said two point five billion dollars wouldn't be enough for the expansion an, fee to buy an expansion team. So the idea there was okay, it's gonna be at least three billion to have an expansion fee. That could be $6 billion, and that helps offset some of these pandemic revenues. Now, as Adam Silver talked about yesterday, they don't get that money right up front. It's going to take them multiple years to find an ownership group, a city, and an arena and say, yep, that's where we want to go. But still, at the end of the day, you still end up making that money back, right? If you if sure. you expand and it takes you— It doesn't matter when you do right, it. Right, if it takes you four years. If right. you start the process now and it you takes three the money or four back. years yeah. before Vegas and Seattle are playing— Three or four years from now, and, you still get that money. Right, and even if you've recouped some in the meantime, you're still getting the money back. I mean, there's still losses. So even right. if you get it back six years from now, you get back what you lost. So what I thought was most fascinating was him basically saying, no, like the owners didn't want to expand because of the pandemic. The pandemic didn't do enough to make them want to expand. But he, but he said, you know, at some point it will make sense to expand. When is that? When does that time come? Because as Adam Silver explained, like when they want to expand – they're basically taking a cut from all the owners and shifting it to two new ownerships because there's the pies there. Right. There's 30 owners that get a share. Then it would be 32. And basically his argument was, okay, when we expand, we've got to expand and add teams, add cities that will help us grow the amount of money the league makes. So when does Vegas and Seattle or whatever city you want to put in there, when do any of those cities actually help the NBA get more revenue because I think you can make the argument Vegas and Seattle right now, neither one would help them actually get more revenue. They're not going to help with the national TV deal. Like that adding Vegas and Seattle doesn't change the national TV deal that the NBA is going to get. And they're not really going to create brand new NBA fans. that are going to go buy tickets and buy merchandise. Like that's what happened here with the golden Knights. The golden Knights came to Vegas and it created brand new. Well, yeah, Cause there were so many people who weren't hockey it fans. who didn't know yes, hockey. It created yeah. brand new fans that, weren't watching the NHL, weren't buying NHL merchandise that are now doing that. Yeah. I don't think that exists in Vegas. I think there's or Well, you're either fans or not. Right. I think yeah. there's already people in both markets, sure. huge basketball fan bases. They may not be fans of a certain team in that city, but they're already watching, already spending money on NBA stuff. So I think you can make the argument of when does Seattle or Vegas make sense to actually grow the revenues of the NBA? Because I don't know that either one does. I also think it's funny, like you were saying about the owners and what they would want. What was the number you told me before the show that Steve Ballmer, the Clippers owner, has at least uh, put out publicly? Claimed, claimed. Uh, over the last four years, five years, to have lost $700 million on the Clippers. 
in order to not pay taxes? Can I be a guy that loses seven million, seven hundred million dollars, and still am building a new arena across the street <laughs> that's probably going to be worth like three, four, five billion dollars? I mean, th- I want that guy's accountant. I've lost seven fifty. Don't look across the street because that's my brand new arena. <laughs> like, okay, Stevie. I mean, look, that's why it's always funny. People rip, people rip incredibly wealthy people, but. They're incredibly wealthy for a reason. Right. <laughs> they're probably they're usually very intelligent and they have really good accountants. Yeah. A, it was a story from ProPublica.com or dot org. From 2014 to 2018, records show Steve Ballmer reported a total of seven hundred million dollars in losses from his ownership of the Clippers. Almost certainly composed of paper losses from amortization. Yeah. So it's, yeah, on paper, it's on paper. Find a way to say I lost money, so I don't right. have to pay. Oh, taxes. so I don't have to pay taxes. That's sure. what it is. Yeah. and that's what Steve. That's Palmer's why smart, That's why rich people are smart. Because to your point, <laughs> if it if it was real, if he was losing seven hundred million dollars over the course of four years, yeah, he would not be owning the team anymore. That's, that's not how a business <laughs> no, stays in business. No, well, and if he was if he was really uh, losing that much, he'd be on the phone to the other twenty nine owners. Let's expand yes. because <laughs> I need money because I've lost seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Was it David Sampson with the Marlins would always say the Marlins, oh, we, we never turned a profit. We always lost money. And then they like sued him and they got the books and they were like, you made a ton of money. What are you talking? Well, it might still be that way. He might still be saying that because in the last three days I've watched their oh, games boy. and I'm telling you, maybe, no, oh, this, seriously, you know, it's weird. And this is how close I, watch I know, you know, it's weird how closely I watch it. I've seen three straight days. The same Dodger fans, and maybe they buy because that's the series they want, and that's all I've seen in those stands. So the Marlins still might be in the realm of, like you said, they might announce 5,000 people a game, and like there's nobody there. But he still makes money. That's yes, why I always yeah. say owners owners do not lose money. <laughs> yes. They make money. Or they wouldn't, like Jared said, or they wouldn't be owners. The, the television deals are enough yes. to make almost every yes. sports team in this country money, regardless yeah. of how many people show up, regardless right. of how good they are on the field. doesn't matter. The television deals for all of our major sports leagues yes. make the teams a significant amount of money. And for Steve Ballmer to say they're losing money, yeah, probably not. <laughs> no. Probably not. I don't think Kawhi Leonard would be on the team if they were no. losing 700 Kawhi, we're, we're paying you 32 but we've lost 700 Like, yeah, it doesn't work. That's bad. That's bad math. Yes. I don't know why. Again, I... It's like Silver said, 30 new jobs. Actually, it's more than 30 new jobs because you're talking entire franchises and you'd have to you know, have people for everything. Obviously, he's just talking about the players. I'm a little surprised, and I think you are, that more owners don't say, let's get that $6 billion. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know why they would unless they just think it's going to water down the town, but do they really care about that? Well, it's a level of, okay, you have like your national TV deals and you have all these other sources of revenue that the owners share. So if, if I'm an NBA owner, I'm simply looking at it as, okay – if we add, if we go from thirty to thirty two shares, how much money do I lose in our in our nat in our league wide? Okay, revenue? but tell me cities that would actually at this point improve their TV. Right, they that, already I have LA and New point. York. Like when when Adam Silver says uh, to for us to expand, it's got to improve our revenue or increase then our revenue. There's no city that would do that. The only one like Mexico what? City. Like you have to go to another right. country. Right. Exactly. Because Beijing. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. the answer. If that's the goal of expansion, is hey. This team, this city has to expand our revenue or our, or our profits. Yeah. When you have New York and L.A. locked up, right. there's not many other places you say, hey, go there for the TV. There's nowhere else. Yeah. So, I mean, genuinely, all of these, there are 25, 29 owners that are happy with, like, and Orlando. Like, like it, like you can't, yeah. you can't, like make the argument that you're like interested in making money if you're like, yeah, and we got Orlando over yeah. there for some reason. 
for that summer league they had for like two years <laughs> where nobody showed up. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins <laughs> you the show. Go to Orlando? No. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. David, I'm curious, what what are you cheering for in the NBA Finals? Like, what do you want to happen here? (laughs) I would um, maybe enjoy another few halves of basketball, like the first half of the first game, I've lowered my expectations pretty significantly <laughs> at this point. Like it's, it's like a weird thing to basically be going into this with the same mentality that I do, like watching my nephew's Little League games, but it's like, I just kind of hope everyone has fun. You know, like it's not really, uh, my hopes are not terribly high for um, anything historic at this point. Was it surprising to you that it appeared Giannis had um, broken both legs and two arms, and then all of a sudden he was playing? So, I mean, I, we talked about this last week, I think, that, like, the injury situation in these playoffs is so baffling. I mean, like, I'm aware that, like, when you use your body more, it breaks down and you get tired. And like, all these, theoretically, I mean, I basically am supine for 18 hours a day. Like, it's not an experience <laughs> I've had in my life recently, but, that, like, in this case, like, I don't understand, I mean, like, certainly, like, how uh, these injuries have piled up. And then, yeah, to see him sort of bounce back, I mean, that knee injury, like, watching that happen uh, on TV was as unpleasant an experience as I've had in months. And the fact that he's back at all, like, let alone looking pretty spunky by, you know, the standards of somebody whose knee went the wrong way really <laughs> dramatically, like, less than a week ago. I don't know. I, mean, I think with him, like, I'm... As impressed as I am with him, like, I need to get to a point where I can watch Giannis and feel something other than frustration at all the things he's not doing. Because he still does a lot of cool stuff every game, but, like, it's just I'm, I'm really stuck at that, like, why can't you shoot? Why are they using you like that? Like, <laughs> I'm not even a Bucks fan. Like, I don't know what I'm mad about. <laughs> it's just, like, an abstract thing. It's about honor. <laughs> okay, on injuries, do you have – a like gruesome injury you saw on TV that scars you because the the first one I remember like in my lifetime of viewing sports and being like oh god I didn't want to see that was when Willis McGahee had his knee go backwards in the national title oh, game oh yeah not like, great is, yes is, do you have one that's like oh that scarred me and I never want to see someone get hurt like that again so there's one so I'm old enough that the Joe Theismann Lawrence Taylor thing happened like that was during my lifetime I was a Giants fan like I would have probably been watching that game. And yet, like, I have no memory of it. Like, it's, like, enfolded deep in some sort of, like, the way that, like, if you get, like, a splinter, like, your body just kind of, like, forms some sort of weird calcium deposit around it. Like, I certainly saw that. And it definitely would not have sat right with me because it's, like, I think still, like, the chalk choice for the most horrific non-Alex Smith thing that's happened oh. in football, you know? And in this case, like, I, I don't remember it. I do remember, like, at school the next day, as like a bunch of like second graders or whatever, like just trying to seem like our dads, be like, "Did you see what happened with Joe Thaisen last night? Pretty bad, huh?" But like, <laughs> I I don't recall it. The ones that I remember, certainly uh, Dak Prescott won last year, not great. Mm. Uh, no, that was bad. And then like the Gordon Hayward was the one that I was watching. That was like the first game of the season. And you know he's come back and and been more or less you know like eighty five percent of Gordon Hayward. I remember uh, that I was 
chopping stuff for dinner, and I remember hearing the sound because I wasn't looking straight up at the TV and just being like, oh, God. Like, it just sounded like Foley art. Like, it sounded like something from, like, the way that, like, they had played in movies, it's like whatever, uh, you know, like, for, like, Jeff Daniels' pooping scene and, like, Dumb and Dumber, they have to have somebody, like, squeezing something out of something into something else. Like, that's, like, it was, uh, it sounded like someone just snapping a bunch of celery in front of a microphone. It sucked. Can you please verify that you watched Nikita Kucherov after that game last night when he was hammered at the press conference? And if so, what athlete do you most want to see completely hammered ripping everybody? So I, I haven't, I didn't see it, but I did see enough stills that I was like, oh, I like put a pin in that. So I'm like, I have a bunch of stuff I have to finish writing for today. So that's like my little treat for like four in the afternoon when I finally filed everything. <laughs> so I'm going to watch this Russian guy whose eyes are 98% closed. <laughs> Well, are you, first of all, I said before the show, uh, during the show, I was disappointed that a Russian was that hammered on beer that fast. I know. It seems like, I feel like he's going to have to, like, train with Ovechkin over the, <laughs> the winter. <laughs> get together this summer at, like, Ovechkin's summer home, and he's going to, like, put him through some sort of, like, Rocky, uh, <laughs> Rocky three montage. We saw Brady hammered. Is there anyone you'd want to see hammered? The Brady one was weird. I still feel like that was a work somehow. Like, I just can't believe it. Like, I don't know if he was like that. Like, someone, someone, like, gave him a piece of watermelon or, like, some sort of, like, a fruit he hadn't tasted before. I think that that's mostly what was happening there. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think now. I mean, like, certainly uh, if the White Sox keep it rolling and you get to see, like, I mean, obviously um, seeing Tony La Russa with a load on is about, like, like hundreds of thousands of Americans it's have Monday, had that experience. So, you know. <laughs> but I think it would be great to see it on TV. Like him, because already, whenever you see his press conferences, he's basically just like lying down. Like the same way that every time, like for the longest time when Jason Whitlock would go on TV, he always seemed to be in like a dentist chair. And I was like, you gotta like tilt that up. It's like a craftmatic 45 degree experience. It's really off-putting to the viewer. Uh, if clutch is the word we describe to somebody who hits a lot of home runs in, like, the ninth inning, what word should we use to describe when Nick Castellanos chooses to hit home runs? <laughs> so it's, like, portentous. I mean, it's, like, definitely the universe is sending you a signal. Someone that We ran a, a post about that, that, like, basically anytime something uh, bad or dramatic is happening, he's going to uh, hit one out to left to make it a 4 nothing ball game. And the someone found online that his first career homer, like for like the Western Michigan Whitecaps, you know, just like low A experience, was like the day that Osama Bin Laden was killed. <laughs> I feel like that basically everything that he has, like any home run that he is hitting, like something dramatic is happening somewhere in the world at that time. And it's just going to be a matter of like, after he retires and someone's like, all right, I got to do 370 of these. And then we'll just put it all together and figure out what message he was trying to send. So when Nick Castellanos hits a home run, I need to immediately tune to like CNN or something like that just to find out, okay, what actually happened in the world? Because this is important. Yeah, I think that that's like definitely worth, or if like, if it's not immediately available, then like get the cork board out and start con- like <laughs> developing some sort of conspiracy. Like if it seems just like a normal like Thursday afternoon home run against the Pirates, I assure you it is not. <laughs> All right. As a Mets fan, how much do you enjoy Garrett Cole and Araldus Chapman suddenly unable to get anybody out? 
Uh, I mean, Cole, I've enjoyed watching uh, during the you know the sticky stuff period. Like, I can't be too mad about it. I'd like to see him get it back together, just because like he's good to watch. Chapman, I've got nothing but delight every seeing the Mets actually like uh, and a Met I like hit a home run off Harold Chapman on national TV was just <laughs> as pure a bolt of pleasure as I've had this season. Also, I'd forgotten <laughs> until the moment that it happened that uh, Chapman weirdly makes like a Jerry Seinfeld face every time he gives up a home run. <laughs> Which he, it's like a, not really a smile, but he's just like burying both of Rose's teeth, and he's just kind of like, oh, what is the deal with like, Pete Alonso? <laughs> like he's got the same like longish face. So that was, uh, that was a real treat. I, I think with him he's probably going to be fine, but it's weird to see a guy that's like still throwing pitches that you wonder how anyone could hit. Uh, absolutely getting torched the way that he's been getting torched. I don't remember who hit it, but I know he was pitching in the seventh inning of a game and gave up a home run on like the fir- to the first batter, and it wasn't just the face anymore. He threw his hands up in the air like he couldn't even believe how bad he was. Yeah, that was and that was happening with uh, Edwin Diaz last year, or not like two years ago with the Mets, and it was the same sort of deal. Like I have to imagine again, I've I've never thrown like a ninety nine mile an hour cut fastball, so I'm speculating. But it does feel like the sort of thing where, like, when you, especially in 2019, I know uh, Josh Hader had a similar thing. It's not like their stuff got worse. It was just that, like, anytime someone hit the ball, it was a home run. And that has to be really frustrating because, like, if you're still throwing, like, 99 with this crazy movement and then whatever, like, Jose Peraza hits one over the, you know, the wall on you, like, I don't even know that I, I think like I would throw my hands up too, not just because I was mad, but because I was like, I can't throw it. Like you can't move more than that. That's as fast as it goes. And yet like, there you are. All right, David, I've been wanting to remember a guy for the last Let's like three weeks. It is Scott Spezio. Ugh, why are you going to bring that up? How are we going to bring up Scott Spezio right now? With the goat, they dyed his goatee red. Do you really want to talk about that in the morning? <laughs> What did he do? I don't know what that's, Scott Spees did. I, for some reason, and that just jumped into my brain the other day that players used to do that. Or at least yeah. Scott Spezio used to. Spezio was a really... So I mean, whatever. Credit to Scott Spezio on a great career. Everything that I remember about him, like beyond the fact that he was like a hero in two different World Series, it's mostly uh, that he dyed his goatee red and that he had a, a band. This was like real San Diego energy. I don't know if he's actually from San Diego, but he's just like... He's got a San Diego vibe, like kind of like flat brim F-150, like sort of like maybe trying to get in fights at bars, but maybe mostly just being like all work, bro, like for no reason to people. Uh, he had a band called Sand Frog. Why I remember that the band was called Sand Frog, I don't know. I've never heard their music. But they, they would like tour with all those other like bands that like you just only get listened to in weight rooms, you know, like... Like, Imagine Dragons is, like, the most successful version of one of those bands. And then all the rest of them are just, like, songs about, like, working hard and chasing your dreams. I and once, uh, San Frog got the tour with those guys. I once saw downtown San Diego at a weird club, Todd Marinovich in the band Scurvy. You saw <laughs> Todd I, I, I actually watched him, and then he stumbled out to the parking lot, and I did an interview with him after watching Scurvy. I mean, what no, did, seriously. Uh, what, so what did uh, Scurvy sound like? Oh, I have no idea. I, I oh, just right. I was I, I I went in. It was at the Casbah, which is down by the airport, like total dive bar. 
and he was up there playing, and he was in scurvy, and that's the last wait, time I ever heard of scurvy. Wait, wait, did you go there to interview? Yes, him? yes. Okay. Uh, no, no. Someone I was said you just showed up. No, and was like, no, oh. no. Someone said Todd Marinovich is playing at the Casbah, and his band is scurvy. I go, I gotta go. I gotta go check this out. And I stood in the back, and then he played a few sets, and it appeared he was Kucherov. Uh, yeah, and, kind of and, and then he stumbles out. I'm like, Todd, can, can I get an interview? Sure. I'm like, all right. It's <laughs> great. It's really good. Scurvy is like a really intense band name for like yeah. Sandfrog. Obviously, is not what you want from a band name. But like, if you told me that there was a band called Scurvy playing at a bar near the airport, I'd just be like, all right, that's a hardcore band. Like all their songs are about like being vegetarian. <laughs> like Todd Marinovich getting up there, like. I, I, whatever. I hope they were really happy. I hope he did a great job. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's extremely good enterprise on your part to like <laughs> go see a band by the airport and be like, I think that's Todd Marinovich. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land this big fish. Uh, well, he is David Roth from The Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Yeah. Um, well, this isn't from my column, but I just to make absolutely sure the first graph I see on a story written after his playing days were over, Marinovich struggled with drug addiction, joined a rock band called Scurvy, and was repeatedly arrested. So, it's like, obviously, they didn't bury the lead. <laughs> like, that, that was not burying the lead. But I do remember Scurvy, and the Casbah was like this dive bar down at the airport, and I sat in the back, and he was like, I mean, hey, he was great. Stood in the parking lot, talked to him like that. He was great. Um, we we need know. to find your story. I, ju- it, I, just was, want, I just want the lead. From your story, that's all. It's I want not as your... good as after his playing days. He was a drug addiction rock band scurvy and was repeatedly arrested. I will tell you that hey. I I was I was a young and up and coming writer at that point, not nearly as seasoned. And there's no way that was my lead. I don't know the what it smoky was. Smoky bar, please. yes, exactly in the back of a smoky bar down by the airport. No, yeah, scurvy. It was after his playing days. It wasn't. I mean, hopefully it was after. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he still wasn't a quarterback for somebody. All right, coming up next. Oh, our quarterback. He plays in scurvy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll try to figure out what uh, Derek Carr's band would be named. <laughs> and this one's belted deep to right field. Tucker unties it over the bullpen in right field for Kyle, his 14th of the year. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Yeah, the A's lost the Astros again last night. Three and nine against the Astros this season. But more importantly, um, the A's could be moving to Vegas. They're trying to get a bunch of money out of Oakland. I thought this quote from Oakland's mayor, Libby Schaff, yesterday was interesting. Uh, This was in the Review Journal story Mick Akers wrote. Libby Schaff, she said, I respect that the A's have to keep the pressure on. I respect that Major League Baseball needs to keep the pressure on. It is true that the A's have been looking to be in a better, more modern, appropriate ballpark for a very long time. I respect that they're doing what they need to do to explore other options to put the pressure on Oakland. Basically, Libby Schaff, the mayor of Oakland, is out here talking about the A's moving to Las Vegas, the threat of the A's moving to Las Vegas, and she's simply calling it pressure it doesn't really sound like she believes it's a real threat. She sounds like it's a bluff to, again, keep the pressure on Oakland to do something. Sort of surprises me in the way that I think she's gone over to the side of she doesn't want to lose them. I mean, I don't know if she's fully on the 800 or whatever million. But if you're on that side, 
when you say you think someone's using it for leverage, it almost infers that you don't really think they're serious about losing. So why give up your leverage right. in terms of, you know, hey, come on, you're not leaving here. So we're going to deal. We're going to compromise. I thought she'd be on the other side of, you know, hey, let's push this through. We can't lose them. When you say someone's on leverage, you're saying you don't believe they're leaving. Right. So what I think is interesting in the whole A's to Vegas or the potential of the A's to Vegas is the Raiders because the Raiders left that city, left that same stadium mm-hmm. to come to Las Vegas. And while, you know, financially it was probably a fine thing for the city of Oakland and the County of Alameda, not to give them money to build a stadium, they're probably going to be fine. There's still a lot of pressure you get as a mayor or any public, uh, representative when you lose a sports team. Sure. And so I'm I'm curious because the Raiders left and because it's for the same exact city how much pressure that puts on Oakland to say well we can't lose the baseball team to Las Vegas too. I mean I'd love to know each city council member and how much they care about sports, I guess. That's a good point. I don't know. I mean, that's a, that, that's it a appears really given with the Raiders situation not a lot of them did. <laughs> because what is the the board of regents Yes. When they had to like approve contracts for coaches and everything, who I can't who I can't remember his name. Who was the board of regent who always he voted no on every single thing for sports? It did not matter what wanna, it was. He I, voted no. So I think who it is, so I should say, should I say the name cuz not 100% sure. Yeah, go ahead. Was it Cedric Greer? No, 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 no. It was there it was some I can't remember who it was. But it was somebody on the board of regents who j- he voted no and on any sports stuff, anything like they they could have it could have been like, hey, we're gonna pay <laughs> Kevin Kruger seventy four dollars this year, and he was saying eh, that's a lot to spend on basketball. Can Kevin make money off the NIL? Because I don't want to give him seventy four dollars. Can he, is how much is his name, image, and likeness worth? Maybe he they can pay him. But if a restaurant will put him <laughs> yeah, in a commercial, yeah. that'll be great. That deli down the street will give him some money. I'll, he can be the coach. I'll, I'll find his name during a commercial. Okay, break. because was, I didn't I didn't want to put him out there. I'm guessing. Look. I lost so much of my life sitting through the Chris Beard meeting that I kind of, it all blended together as to who wanted this to happen and who didn't want it to happen. Like, if I remember correctly, this guy's argument was, well, the Chris Beard contract sounds reasonable, but I have to vote no on all sports. Oh, like, I can see him, but find his name. Now yeah, I know you're talking during about. The break. But like, yes. if there's anybody on the city council in Oakland who's just like, I don't care about baseball. There could, well, there's like, odds are they're more... There's right. people like that. So that that's a good question. And who in that city council is just like sports? Pfft, who cares?